Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Sherry and Heather. Uh, and we are going through Isaiah. We started in Isaiah 63, uh, then we bumped over to Isaiah 65, and we have a short little bit from 2 Kings and and 2 Chronicles uh, at the very end. Um, So in some ways, to me, reading this, it feels like some of what we've already read. Um, and Isaiah is has some of these judgment passages. Um, There's always a little bit of redemption in there somewhere. Uh, But as we read over this, uh, what did you guys notice or what stuck out to you worth talking about? So one thing I think um, this passage in Isaiah, actually a lot of the Old Testament, is the idea of that God's judgment is real. And it's just as much part of who he is as his mercy and as his grace. And I think that um, as people were wired either more um, like mercy motivated or more judgment motivated. And I think for me, I'm very mercy motivated. It's sometimes hard for me to reconcile. Like, okay. Why do I um, have a hard heart towards God? And why do I continue to sin uh, right in his face? And I don't face the same consequences in my family, in my community, don't face these same consequences. I think that's always like a little bit just tricky um, in my mind to figure out or to wrestle with or what that means. So I don't know. I guess I have more questions than answers. Yeah, I I, I, for a long time, I had a, a view of God, I or I wanted a view of God that um, he wasn't so, so I guess the word would be judgmental or um, um, hard on us because we, I am also, I, I see him more as that merciful God and, um, and, and giving us grace. And I saw that in the passage. So we read, we read a lot about like a lot of things that were going to happen and a lot of the, a lot of very difficult things. And then it was in Isaiah 65, it was down at verse 8, and he says, But I will not destroy them all, says the Lord, for just as good grapes are found among a cluster are bad ones, and someone will say, don't throw them all away, some of those grapes are good. Um, that kind of stuck up. That was t- stuck out to me. That was just like a short little blip of, of reminding us or reminding me as I was reading about this judgment um, that God is a merciful God, and and um, but He also is a God of judgment, and judgment will come down on those that um, don't believe and 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 are against Him. So, um, it, for me, it was good to see that little tiny bit put in there to show that He is merciful and He does give us grace. I, I it's kind of interesting. I think in some ways, judgment is merciful, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, if, if you're tracking, if you've been listening for a long time, if you're tracking like the overall story, really the story is that God laid out for his people how they should live. Um, and it's not, it's not this like vengeful, horrible, judgmental monster God. This is God saying like, hey, I made you. Uh, you're made to have relationship with me in order to have relationship with me. Here's how you should live. Um, and what we get kind of between creation and now, which is a pretty large chunk, is like consistent stories of like, yeah, I just don't think we're going to live that way. And as they continue to decide not to live that way, 
the cycle gets worse and worse and worse and people start to make poorer and poorer choices and worse decisions. And so God in his judgment is like, you know what? I told you how to live. I'm teaching you how I designed you. You guys are are unfulfilled. You're frustrated. You're you're you know, pulling your hair out serving these fake gods that are pushing you in the way that you don't belong. I'm going to step in and I'm going to bring judgment. And every time God brings judgment, uh, which which is always pretty vicious. I mean, there's there's plenty of passages here that we just read that don't feel good. Like if your pastor got up on Sunday morning and was like, today we're going to read a sermon from Isaiah 63. <laughs> It'd probably be a downer. 65, 63, 65, whatever. It'd probably be a downer. Um, but really what is kind of interesting in noticing God's whole story is it's always an instrument of God bringing people back to himself. Mm-hmm. And so if if God isn't, if God isn't judgment, what if there never was that piece of like, hey, come back, hey, come back. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this constant deeper descent. Mm-hmm. That would not seem very merciful or gracious at all. Um, so in some ways, I think God's judgment is part of his mercy. It's kind of weird. Well, it reminds me of um, talking about some people, talking to some people recently, especially some of the youth, some of our youth, um, on this last serving weekend that we mm. had, and mm-hmm. um, based on what several kids had said, and talking to some people, we we were talking about how God knocks on the door and He's knocking over and over and over again, and people then, and He, he kind of says it down in verse twelve: "For when I called, you did not answer; when I spoke, you did not listen." It's like. He's calling, he's calling and he's knocking on that door and and some of us just choose not to answer, not to respond to that knocking, even though he's doing it over and over and he keeps coming back. He yeah. Never, and he never gives up. So that verse twelve kind of reminded me of some of the conversations we had recently that with kids that, you know, when you notice something and you you really think that God's saying something to you, you need to respond and, and think about that. Because you have that choice. You can either respond or you don't respond. So you're going to be either one of those people um, that have forgotten him and forsaken him um, and receive one type of judgment, or you're going to be one of those people that do respond and then eventually receive his grace and, and, and salvation. Yeah. So going off what you were saying, Ryan, is almost a worldview paradigm shift because that would mean basically whenever we could apply the same thing to um, maybe we could um, we could apply the same thing to when we see suffering in the world or we see um, I don't know like natural disasters and we have these questions like how could God do this and sometimes if you think through the lens of like what if this thing is the most merciful thing that could have happened mm-hmm. that I do not like to think that way it, it's kind of weird yeah um, and I, I don't think that's universally the case. Like, I don't think that every bad thing is necessarily like God trying to realign his people. But Jesus seems to teach that hard times are the fastest route to God. Um, and it, it's what he consistently tells his disciples. Like, hey, if you desire this life, it's going to be a life of suffering. And it's going to be a life where there's torment and trial. And it's funny because it's not... Like we've we've Americanized a lot of faith aspects where it's like, okay, what can I get from God today? And that actually doesn't seem to be what God's all about. <laughs> God doesn't seem all about like, hey, line up in front of me and ask for stuff. He seems to be all about like, yeah, if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you some stuff. Uh, but you will get closer to me and that will be in your best interest, which seems to be his relationship with Israel. I think Israel went through a lot of very horrendous bad things. Actually, one of those things is about to happen uh, to Judah. They're going to be 
drug off into exile. Um, and it will go down as a good thing because this descent of his people is so far that you couldn't even find, you know, like that, that whole idea of grapes, like there weren't many good grapes. There were a lot of really squishy, mushy ones. Um, and so some of what God does, it hurts and it's painful and it's gross and it looks bad, but it's actually all about bringing people back to himself. What so what would we say to people who are suffering right now or who are living, um, a life of suffering? So I think of some people in the community who recently lost uh, one of their children who like her whole life was basically physical suffering and like in turn, because of their child suffering, they lived a life of suffering for several years. Mm -hmm. So like, what do we say to them? What does God say to them? And I think it is what we, they are close to him. Yeah. Ultimately God says, come to me. And that's, that's part of our struggle too, is that we want to know what to say. And there's, there's not, there's not always great things to say. And sometimes we say stuff that's really stupid. Like people who are going through suffering, most times are not searching for a theology of suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not a great time to, to sit down and like, well, listen, God's actually making you better. It's like, no, like this hurts and it's gross. Like, that's not really what I'm into right now. But ultimately I, I do think that God is drawing people to himself. And I think that like some of the, some of the things that I've dealt with personally that were suffering, I never would have said in that moment, this is what God's doing. God's bringing me closer. But obviously now looking back, like God was bringing me closer and I, I wouldn't want to give up that hurtful peace, but I also wouldn't want to live through it again. So I don't know. I mean, try and learn lessons the first time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, if it's, if it's like self suffering, kind of, Sometimes it is like sometimes we make choices that lead to our suffering and God is still pursuing us and drawing us back. And sometimes there are things totally out of our control. Yeah, that's, that's good. Cause I think that's what, that's what, that's what's happening with Israel. Like they're bringing suffering on themselves many, many times. And because they're such slow learners and they're so hesitant to actually get the lesson, more suffering comes and they're, they're just very stubborn. And because they're very stubborn, God continues to judge, but it's actually because he's merciful that he judges Um, because it, it ultimately continues to call people back to himself. That's why some of those good grapes existed is because there were good people in the community that started to understand, no, I need to follow God with my life. I need to be about what he's about. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes if, if they don't get it and they continue to go through suffering and they're not that's really difficult when they're they go through suffering and they don't learn and then they go through more suffering and they don't learn and and here the whole time God is trying to mold you and and and, and change us mm-hmm. through those those times of suffering. I used to think for a very long time that I wasn't as close to God as other people because I didn't go through growing up. I grew, just grew up in the church. So for a long time when people would be say like, "Oh, you know, what's your story? Um, I was like, well, I don't really have one. Like I just grew up in the church. I didn't have a whole lot of suffering per se as someone who went through some really bad times um, and then miraculously um, was changed by God, like went through like drug addiction and, and, and met God in that or, or some devastating time of suffering. I would say for a long time, I would say, oh, my word, they are closer to God because they went through that suffering, which it isn't the case. I've, I've learned that over the years. Um, but I do think what you had said earlier, Ryan, about suffering, you know, changes, um, changes us and brings us closer to God. And it does if you get it, 
if you actually can look back and see it where a lot of people, those bad grapes, don't Whoa. don't see it, don't realize it. I think there were certainly people in this time that probably thought they didn't worship their idols hard enough mm-hmm. or, or well enough. Um, and so they didn't hear God's voice through those struggles. And I think their struggles probably continued. But But we do know there's other people that saw this and experienced this and realized like, Oh, I, I actually need to stop mm-hmm. the trajectory that I'm on and I need to follow the God that made me and worship the God that loves me and cares for me enough to correct me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think it's a tough lesson. I don't want anybody to hear this and think that we're, we're saying that like, well, everybody deserves suffering. And if you're suffering, just deal with it. I don't think that's the case at all. And I don't want anybody mis- to misconstrue what we're saying. Um, Suffering is very difficult. The The judgment that these people endured was very, very hard and very painful. And so that's not to say that hard times aren't hurtful, um, but they are times to pay attention to what God is up to and to strengthen your relationship uh, with God because God, um, God loves the brokenhearted and God cares for those who are hurting. Um, and God loves us ultimately. So we can seek him and we can, we can be closer to him through those times that are difficult. So, Hey, it seems like it's a little bit more of a heavy day. Uh, but we're going to have some of those as we go, as, as we go through God's whole story. So I hope you are enjoying listening. Um, if you are going through some suffering, uh, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to pray for you and with you. Uh, And ultimately, we'd love to all get closer to God as we walk through this journey of God's whole story. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye. The reading for today, Isaiah 63, starting at verse 15. Lord, look down from heaven. Look from your holy, glorious home and see us. Where is the passion and the might you used to show on our behalf? Where are your mercy and compassion now? Surely you are still our father, even if Abraham and Jacob would disown us. Lord, you would still be our Father. You are our Redeemer from ages past. Lord, why have you allowed us to turn from your path? Why have you given us stubborn hearts so we no longer fear you? Return and help us, for we are your servants, the tribes that are your special possession. How briefly your holy people possessed your holy place, and now our enemies have destroyed it. Sometimes it seems as though we never belonged to you, as though we had never been known as your people. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down, how the mountains would quake in your presence. As fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations, and oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you, who works for those who wait for him. You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways. But you have been very angry with us, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore, you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. Don't be so angry with us, Lord. Please don't remember our sins forever. Look at us, we pray, and see that we are all your people. Your holy cities are destroyed. Zion is a wilderness, yet Jerusalem is a desolate ruin. The holy and beautiful temple where our ancestors praised you has been burned down, and all the things of beauty are destroyed. 
After all this, Lord, must you still refuse to help us? Will you continue to be silent and punish us? Isaiah 65, verse 1. The Lord says, I was ready to respond, but no one asked for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that did not call my name. All day long I opened my arms to rebellious people, but they follow their own evil paths and their own crooked schemes. All day long they insult me to my face by worshiping idols in their sacred gardens. They burn incense on pagan altars. At night they go out among the graves, worshiping the dead. They eat the flesh of pigs and make stews with other forbidden foods. Yet they say to each other, Don't come, don't come too close or you will defile me. I am holier than you. These people are a stench in my nostrils an acrid smell that never goes away. Look, my decree is written out in front of me. I will not stand silent. I will repay them in full. Yes, I will repay them, both for their sins and for those of their ancestors, says the Lord. For they also burn incense on the mountains and insult to me on the hills. I will pay them back in full. But I will not destroy them all, says the Lord. For just as good grapes are found among a cluster of bad ones, and someone will say, don't throw them all away, some of those grapes are good. So I will not destroy all Israel. For I still have true servants there. I will preserve a remnant of the people of Israel and of Judah to possess my land. Those I choose will inherit it, and my servants will live there. The plain of Sharon will again be filled with flocks, for my people who have searched for me, and the valley of Acre will be a place of pasture herds. But because the rest of you have forsaken the Lord and forgotten his temple, and because you have prepared feasts to honor the God of fate, and have offered mixed wine to the God of destiny, now I will destine you for the sword. All of you will bow down before the ex executioner, for when I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not listen. You deliberately sinned before my very eyes and chose to do what you know I despise. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My servants will eat, but you will starve. My servants will drink, but you will be thirsty. My servants will rejoice, but you will be sad and ashamed. My servants will sing for joy, but you will cry in sorrow and despair. Your name will be a curse word among my people, for the sovereign Lord will destroy you and will call his true servants by another name. All who invoke a blessing or take an oath will do so by the God of truth, for I will put aside my anger and forget the evil of earlier days. Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation, and look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people, and the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Only the cursed will die that young. In those days, people will live in the houses they build and eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Unlike the past, invaders will not take their horses and confiscate their vineyards. For my people will live as long as trees, and my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. They will not work in vain, and their children will not be doomed for misfortune. For they are people blessed by the Lord, and their children too will be blessed. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. But the snakes will eat dust. In those days no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me some? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken.
I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble on my word. But those who choose their own ways, delighting in their detestable sins, will not have their offerings accepted. When such people sacrifice a bull, it is no more acceptable than a human sacrifice. When they sacrifice a lamb, it's as though they had sacrificed a dog. When they bring an offering of grain, they might as well offer the blood of a pig. When they burn frankincense, it's as if they had blessed an idol. I will send them great trouble, all the things they feared. For when I called, they did not answer. When I spoke, they did not listen. They deliberately sinned before my very eyes and chose to do what they know I despise. Hear this message from the Lord, all you who tremble at his words. Your own people hate you and throw you out for being loyal to my name. Let the Lord be honored, they scoff. Be joyful in him, but they will be put to shame. What is all the commotion in the city? What is that terrible noise from the temple? It is the voice of the Lord taking vengeance against his enemies. Before the birth pains even begin, Jerusalem gives birth to a son. Who has ever seen anything as strange as this? Who has ever heard of such a thing? Has a nation ever been born in a single day? Has a country ever come forth in a mere moment? But by the time Jerusalem's, but by the time Jerusalem's birth pains begin, her children will be born. Would I ever bring this nation to the point of birth and then not deliver it, asked the Lord? No, I would never keep this nation from being born, says your God. Rejoice with Jerusalem. Be glad with her, all you who love her and all you who mourn for her. Drink deeply of her glory, even as an infant drinks at its mother's comforting breast. This is what the Lord says. I will give Jerusalem a river of peace and prosperity. The wealth of the nations will flow to her. Her children will be nursed at her breast, carried in her arms, and held in her lap. I will comfort you there in Jerusalem, as a mother comforts her child. When you see these things, your heart will rejoice. You will flourish like the grass. Everyone will see the Lord's hand of blessing on his servants and his anger against his enemies. See, the Lord is coming with fire, and his swift chariots roar like a whirlwind. He will bring punishment with the fury of his anger and the flaming fire of his hot rebuke. The Lord will punish the world by fire and his sword. He will judge the earth, and many will be killed by him. Those who consecrate and purify themselves in a sacred garden with its idol in the center, feasting on pork and rats and other detestable meats, will come to a terrible end, says the Lord. I can see what they are doing, and I know what they are thinking. So I will gather all nations and people together, and they will see my glory. I will perform a sign among them, and I will send those who survive to be messengers to the nations, to Tarshish, to the Libyans and the Lydians, who are famous as archers, to Tubal and Greece, and to all the lands beyond the sea that have not heard my fame or seen my glory. There they will declare my glory to the nations. They will bring the remnant of your people back from every nation. They will bring them to my holy mountain in Jerusalem as an offering to the Lord. They will ride on horses and chariots and wagons and on mules and camels, says the Lord. And I will appoint some of them to be my priests and Levites. I, the Lord, have spoken. As surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people, with a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. All humanity will come to worship me from week to week and from month to month. And as they go out, they will see the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me. For the worms that devour them will never die, and the fire that burns them will never go out. And who by, and who pass by will view them with utter horror. Second Kings 20, verse 20. The rest of the events in Hezekiah's reign, including the extent of his power and how he built a pool and dug a tunnel to bring water into the city, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. Hezekiah died and his son Manasseh became the next king. Second Chronicles 32, verse 32. 
The rest of the events in Hezekiah's reign and his acts of devotion are recorded in the vision of the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, which is included in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. When Hezekiah died, he was buried in the upper area of the royal cemetery, and all Judah and Jerusalem honored him at his death, and his son Manasseh became the next king. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.